Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. If you're going to walk with God the rest of your life, there are two things you have to believe. If you don't believe these two things, you're not going to make it in your faith. You're not going to be able to run the race. You're not going to be able to fight the good fight kind of thing. You're going to get hijacked out of the real story. If you don't believe these two things, the first one is you've got to get yourself to a point where you believe God's word is true. In other words, that his promises are true. He is true to his promises. This is like what it says in the very end of Revelation. Write this down for these words are trustworthy and they're true. And you have to get to the point where you're going to believe, even though there are mysteries in how this works, and in some way it's fully a human document and it's also fully a Holy Spirit document kind of thing, that God has spoken to us in the Bible. He has spoken to us through his prophets that he filled with his Holy Spirit. He has spoken to us through the apostles that were witnesses of Jesus' miracles, death, life, resurrection, and they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write God's Word in some way, the mystery, but in some way they wrote as their own personality is part of their writings. You can tell the writings of John versus the writings of the Apostle Paul. Uh, They had their personalities, but at the same time, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us through their word. In some way, we can trust the promises that we read that are for us, and we can trust that God has spoken. And you have to believe that. You have to have this sense that this is how I hear the word of God. This is how I anchor my life in the promises of God, which is why we've been in this podcast learning how to pray through Scripture. There is a power of the Holy Spirit that comes into our life. It deepens into our heart. It gives life to our soul when we anchor our prayer and our meditation from the Word of God. Something happens that softens our heart. Something happens that gives us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that understands in some way. And it's how we remember the relationship that God has brought us and summoned us into because he has spoken. He has spoken through Christ. He's spoken through his prophets. He's spoken through the apostles. And his word is how we come into confrontation in the sense of experiencing and engaging with the will of God and the word of God and the voice of God in our lives. That's the first thing you're going to have to believe if you're going to walk with God the rest of your life. The second thing you're going to have to believe, there are two, the second thing you're going to have to believe is that God loves you. I know we all have this general sense that God loves certain people, but you have to believe if you're going to make it in your Christian life, if you're going to live inside the bigger story, you're going to have to get to the point where you really do have this personal conviction that God loves you. So when we read this verse in Psalm 106, verse 1, praise the Lord, hallelujah, praise Yahweh, hallelujah, that's the Yah, very ancient Hebrew word, praise the Lord, oh, give thanks to the Lord, give thanks to Yahweh, give thanks to the I Am, two things, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. 
you're going to have to get to the point where you really can trust God that is because his word is true and you can trust God with your life because you have this real conviction that he loves you and his will for you is good. His plan for you is good. The race that he has marked out for you is for good. These are the things that Satan tempted Adam and Eve, that they forfeited the will of God because he got them to doubt the goodness of God, the goodness of God and his provision of the abundant of trees that are pleasing to the eye and good for food. And he got them to focus on the one prohibition and he got them to doubt God's goodness and to think that God in some way was holding out on the true good for them. And so he got them to step outside the will of God and take life into their own hands. He's doing the same thing in our life. We have to remember that God loves me personally, you personally, and that his will for me and his will for you is good. We really do have to make verse 1 of Psalm 106, and frankly, verse 1 of Psalm 107, we'll get there in a future episode, that the Lord is good and his steadfast love for you endures Forever. God has this forever steadfast love for you. Steadfast meaning loyal, eternal. You can count on it. He's going to be faithful to it. This is a promise, and you can go all in. You can take the big swan dive off the cliff into God's steadfast love for you and trust that his will for you is good, even in the moments of your life that you don't understand and you're going through a hard time. You have to believe his promises are true, his word is true, and that he loves you, and therefore his will for you is good. So Psalm 106, verse 1, we saw that. Verse 7 says, They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love. We have to have this sense that God's steadfast love for you is abundant. The abundant, infinite wellspring of God's steadfast love for you. The God that created this universe as vast as the universe is, with its trillion galaxies that have each hundred billions of stars, the God that created this universe, the largesse of that God that can create a universe like this, is also a picture of his love for you, his abundant, steadfast love for you, and therefore his wisdom and love and commitment of your good to be for you. I can't stress enough personally in my own life when I doubt these things in some way, and it's like what we talked about in our last episode. It's not that I willfully get to a point where I say I'm going to doubt the steadfast love of God for me. It's more of a forgetting to remember his steadfast love for me. It's a forgetting to remember his goodness for me. So the Apostle Paul writes in Titus, in the New Testament, Titus 3, verse 4, he says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal. God's a God of creation, and so he's a God of regeneration, what has been degraded. He's a God of renewal, what has been decayed. The washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified, being made righteous, declared righteous by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. 
This is a trustworthy saying, it says in verse 8. I just really want you to soak in that for a minute, that, that when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy and the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly, through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy. The New Testament says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, By grace you've been saved and raised us with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is why we're heirs of eternal life, because we are with Christ in Christ and he's the heir. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Here's what I really want us to get from this is that when we read these kind of verses, I think it really helps to say, okay, is this, this is true of me. And so we, we think about this, that, that when the goodness and the loving kindness of God, our, your Savior, appeared, he saved you, not because of works done by you in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on you richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Do you believe that? Are you going to believe his promise is true and a trustworthy saying. Do you believe that God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved you, even when you were dead in your trespasses, made you alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved and raised you with him and seated you with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward you in Christ Jesus. For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. The New Testament says in Romans 8.35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now I'm going to change the us to you. So this is how we should read this. Who shall separate you from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 37, no, in all these things, you are more than a conqueror through him who loved you. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
We need to soften our heart and let the Holy Spirit speak to us and trust that these words are trustworthy and true and that we're going to listen to God speak to us. We're going to listen to him tell me, tell you of his great love for you and his great love for me. We have to believe this if we're going to be able to walk in the power of his promises. So Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, we read this a lot. It's one of my favorite verses because it really does empower me. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Can you receive this as a word of God by his Holy Spirit to you? You have been crucified with Christ, and you no longer live, but Christ lives in you. Now, the you that no longer lives is not saying you in the sense of the real you, but there's this new you that is fully human and fully the one that God has created because he's recreating you in Christ by the regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. You're being conformed to the image of Christ. He's recreating you. So you've been crucified with Christ, and you no longer live. Remember what it says in Ephesians, but he has raised us together with Christ, seated us together with Christ, made us alive together with Christ. Here you've been crucified with Christ, and that you, this old you, this distorted you, this deformed you, no longer lives, but Christ lives in you. The life you now live in the body, you live by trust, by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. So one of the things that we do when we worship God is we just want to soak in the promises of his love for me, his love for you, that we make it very, very personal. The Holy Spirit is in me, whom he's poured out in my heart, and therefore the love of God has been poured out in my heart through the Holy Spirit he has given me, Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, I have this promise. I have to cling to the promise. I have to trust in the promise. God has spoken to me, and I can decide whether or not I'm going to believe him or not, believe that these words are trustworthy and true or not. And I'm going to choose to believe that they are. I'm going to take the swan dive off the cliff into his promises, into the truth that God is good. His will for me is good because of his steadfast love for me that endures forever. His love for me is what caused him to become human, die on the cross and rise from the dead and bring me into him, make me alive in him, seat me together with him, raise me up with him and give me new life in him. He's already begun it by Jesus rising from the dead. I'm already called into this kingdom. I'm already part of it. And his love for me is eternal. It endures forever. I'm part of this forever story that God is rich in mercy toward me. And because of the great love with which he loved me, even though I am in my trespasses and sin, he made me alive together with Christ by his grace. He raised me up with Christ and seated me with Christ in this citizenship in heaven that is returning to earth so that in the coming ages, God might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward me in Christ Jesus. 
I am his workmanship. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus for good works. I'm not saved by good works, but I am saved for good works. These redemptive works that God does through me, showing his love to others, bringing joy to others, bringing gratitude to others, which God prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. Believing that his word is true, believing that his steadfast love for me is forever and eternal, enables me to walk in his good works that he's prepared in advance for me to do. So when the goodness and the steadfast love of God, my Savior, came to me, he saved me, not because of works done by me in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out in me richly through Jesus Christ, my Savior, and I am an heir of eternal life. Oh, God, I trust in your steadfast love for me. I trust in your goodness for me, the goodness of your will for me, the goodness because of your steadfast love for me that endures forever. I'm part of this forever story. The forever God is my God forever because of your steadfast love for me. Not because of works done by me in righteousness, but according to your own mercy according to your own regeneration and renewal and recreation and resurrection, because you have crucified me with Christ. You've made me alive with Christ. You've raised me up with Christ. You will raise me up with Christ. And you seat me as someone who's an heir of Christ with Christ in your heavenly kingdom, because you have poured out your love for me by your Holy Spirit who is in me. These words are trustworthy and they are true. And I remember that you are a God of steadfast love for me. Every minute, every second of my day, in every molecule of my body, you are focused on me with your infinite steadfast love, and your will for me is good, always good. Even in times where I don't see something happening that's good, your will for me is good, and your steadfast love for me endures forever. I believe your word is true, trustworthy and true. And therefore, I believe that your love for me, your steadfast love for me is abundant and abides forever, infinite, a wellspring of living water, a fountain of life. And I trust in your goodness for me. I trust in the goodness of your will for me, proven by the fact that you have come in the person of Jesus and suffered and died and rose from the dead. I trust your love for me and your will for me is good. That's the evidence. That's the proof. I trust in the goodness and steadfast love that you have saved me, not because I have done works that have warranted you saving me, but because of your own mercy and your grace. You have regenerated and renewed me by your Holy Spirit. You are regenerating and renewing me by your Holy Spirit. You are transforming me from one degree of glory to the next until there is a resurrection of the body on a resurrected world, and we will be a part of a community sharing in your love and sharing in your glory and glorying in your name together in all the ways that you have made us fully human 
to be people who oversee your creation with love and care and wisdom and glory, to be a part of everything we've always wanted to be a part of with you, in the presence of you, with one another in this community, because you created us for community and to live in your love and to share your love with one another, to live in your goodness and to be good in our works toward one another, to live in your joy and to rejoice with one another, to live in your mercy and grace so that in the coming ages we will all be, I will be a witness of your grace and your mercy, and we will be witnesses to one another forever in our resurrected bodies of your grace and your mercy, and our lives will forever be filled with gratitude, and our lives will forever be filled in this sense of wonder that you have newly created me in Jesus for good works, good works that are truly good and glorious and beautiful and according to your love and living in your joy and my life filled with gratitude because of all that you have done for me and all that you are for me in Christ. All that you promise me in Jesus Christ is far more satisfying. This larger story is far more rewarding and satisfying than the short-term false promises of sin. Whatever sin that is that is keeping me from this story, it's short-term and it's false and it can't be trusted and it's not for my good and it's not based on love that endures forever. Your will and your will alone is based on love that endures forever and your goodness. So I trust in your, what Paul says in Ephesians 2, 4, your great love for me, your rich mercy toward me. I remember the abundance of your steadfast love for me, for you are good and your steadfast love endures forever. This I trust, this I believe, this I bank on. Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. Nothing. No hardship, no persecution, no circumstance, not even death can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, my King, my Lord. And so I live by faith and I live by trust in Christ who loved me and gave himself for me, for me. And today I walk in that promise. Today I speak to people with the comfort and the stability and the foundation of that promise. Today I work in the security of that promise the fulfillment of that promise, the joy from that promise. Today I face suffering, knowing that it's in this context of this great promise of that you have loved me and gave yourself for me and made me an heir of eternal life so that in the coming ages you will show the abundance of your steadfast love and the richness of your mercy and grace that you have shown me and shown all of those in this new humanity, this new community that will love one another without jealousy, serve one another without pride, enjoy one another without envy, laugh with one another without insecurity, truly living as human beings made new in Christ Jesus. I live with that promise today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.